Welcome to the C3 Church Watson podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Thank you. Wonderful. Good morning, everybody. If we haven't met, my name is Paul. Thank you, Kate. And we are talking about our series, which is Pray First. And uh, God has already moved in our in this place, just through those verses that Melanie spoke, verses that uh, we didn't talk about my message today or what she was going to say, but that, that uh, scripture from Psalm 23 features in this message as well. Because just in case I missed it, you are still going to get it, which means that there's lots of people that that message is here for. So let's just pray right now because the theme is pray first. It's pray first before this. Heavenly Father, we just glorify you. We know that you're the source of our supply. We know you have a word for every person today. Help us to have ears to hear what you are saying. Not me, but you, your Holy Spirit, Lord. Bring alive the words that you want every person to hear today, that they would go away from here, having been filled up with a word from God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks, band. Awesome. Why don't we give the band a clap? Well done, band. They get here not long after 7 o'clock every Sunday, and we're heading into the cold. So... We deserve a clap. Yeah, so praying first. I'm talking about a particular aspect, but praying first is all about praying before we start something. Praying before we act on something. Praying before we make that decision. Praying before we start that project. Praying about whether we should even have that project. Praying first. Praying about that relationship. Praying before we start that relationship. Praying for that job at the start of every day. Praying at the start of every day. Praying for that job. Praying about the job that we'd like to have. Praying first when we decide what sort of a job we should like to have. Because God's got His ideas. We think we know, but God's got His ideas. And praying first puts us in a place of humility, where we are recognizing, God, I acknowledge you as the Lord of my life, that you've got something awesome planned for me. It's not, not always easy. It's not even always fun. But it's something awesome. It's an adventure that God has for us. If we will pray first and have him lead us, he leads us besides the still waters. He is our leader. Isaiah 48, 17 says, I am the Lord who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. If you're thinking about work, God's the one who's got the answer for you. Pray first before you make that investment, before you spend that money. But today I'm particularly focusing on praying first when we receive some news that's not so welcome, when we receive some news that's a little bit negative, something that's hard to take, what's our response to that? What do we do first? Because we need to 
pray first. Jesus promises us trouble in this life. That's exciting, isn't it? So we might not get bad news now or even this year. But at some point, there'll be something that will come to us and it's not really what we'd like to hear. The bank's putting the interest rates up again. I'm sorry, but we've decided to let you go. I'm sorry, but your application has been unsuccessful. Your grandfather has just been put into hospital. You know, there's only about a million possible things that someone can give you. And, and uh, it's not like we're expecting bad news every day. But there are times when something is said and it's not really what we wanted to hear. So how do we respond to that? Because the way that we respond to that is one of the best indicators of what's inside of us. When you bump this bottle, hopefully you get water out of it, not acid. So what, do we, what comes out of us when we're bumped? Because hopefully when we get bumped, hope comes out of us, not despair. Peace comes out of us, and not anger. What bumps you and what comes out when you are bumped? Look at Romans 15, verse 13. I pray that, the, that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we are bumped, we should have the Holy Spirit who brings God's hope into our hearts. And even if it's bad news, there should be a sense of hope. Even in the midst of this, it's going to be okay. God's going to make something good come out of this bad situation. What is our response? Do we call mum? Do we try and numb the pain through some packet of tin tams or something? Get the chocolate out? Do we have... Do we, do we go on the floor and, and, and sort of roll around in agony, screaming heap? Do we run around the room screaming? Do we give up? That's it. That is it. You've left my teddy bear in Singapore airport. That is it. <laughs> the one bit of joy in my life. Taken it away. You burst into tears. Or do you just immediately, oh, I've got to do something right now, right? I'm just going to do something. Because the way that we act first is an indicator of what is really going on in our hearts. What is going on in your heart? Are you getting angry or are you getting depressed? Or what, do you, what, what is the response? Okay, Psalm 112, verses 6 to 7 says this. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. I'm just looking at some examples of people in the Bible who received bad news and how they responded to it. First of all, 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 to 6. This is King David, 
wasn't king yet. He was still on the run from, from a previous king, Saul. And he'd gone as far as to leave Israel and go and live amongst the enemies, live amongst the Philistines, and, and even gone so far as to say to the Philistine kings, oh, if you ever go into battle, I will come with you. It's a, a little bit of a turncoat sort of problem. It's not why the guys around him joined him originally. So already they would have thought, oh, this is unusual. And then it says here, three days later when David and his men arrived home at their village, the town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They'd crushed Ziklag and they'd burned it to the ground. Probably still had smoke rising on the horizon. You know how we see smoke? There's a bushfire over there rising on the horizon and then realizing that's our town. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. And when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinoam and Abigail, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they started to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Now, as a leader, when I was school principal, I never really suspected that people were ready to stone me to death. There wasn't quite that level of danger. I hadn't made that many bad decisions. I hadn't caused everyone on staff's family to be uh, taken away or their homes to be burnt down. But can you try and put yourself in David's shoes as a leader where you've made such, you've led people away. I can just hear what the the people are saying. He didn't even leave us any, didn't even leave anyone to protect the family. He totally lost it. He, He failed as a leader. We don't want someone like that. He brought us to this weird country. What are we doing here? And now this has happened. All our families have gone. They've been taken away. This guy should not even be our leader. He is hopeless. And the whole volume started to increase. And David started to hear these noises, started to hear people looking at him, pointing to him. Tom picked up a stone. He was the first guy to pick up a stone. Tom. David was like, not Tom. We need him to lead the next meeting. And what did... What was David's response to the bad news? Well, he strengthened himself in the Lord. And I can see him finding somewhere, even if it's just for a few minutes, just to to restore what was lost in his heart at that time. And sometimes we are facing a situation that just drains all our faith out, drains all our hope out. And God seems a long way away and now we're sticking out on a rock all by ourselves. And David would have just been saying over and over that scripture, the Lord's my shepherd. He would have, he wrote that. He thought of that. He thought, I mean, I was a shepherd. There were bears, there were lions. It's okay. God looked after me. He's my shepherd. I lack nothing. He has the wisdom that I need. He has everything. And then he leads me beside still waters. I'm going to I'm going to go, go there again. He leads me, in, it makes me lie down in green pastures, restores my soul. And he just 
gradually getting some strength back. And that's why we pray first. When we hear bad news, we go into that place where we rediscover God. We rediscover who God is. And we remind ourselves of who God is. He's so much bigger. And we find that the problem that's been hanging over us starts to drop down below us. As we increase our height, we renew our strength like, like the wings of an eagle. We start to get above our issue. Maybe some of you need to do that right now. You need to remind yourself, restore your souls in God. Even though I'm walking through a valley of the shadow of death, as Melanie said, I will fear no evil. I don't care about Tom with his rock. Fear no evil. For you with me, Lord. You're the one who's always been with me. You've put me in this situation. I had no control over what the enemy was going to do. We didn't expect this to happen. And now I turn to you and I restore my strength in you. I remind myself that you're bigger than this and so on. You just keep pushing, pushing, pushing back, taking the ground that, that is trying to be slip out from under your feet. Isaiah 40, 31, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Because sometimes the strength that we had yesterday is not enough anymore. We need some new strength. I find new strength. They'll soar high on wings like eagles. They'll, not, they'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. And David strengthened himself in the Lord. And then he was able to come back and face his men. And say, so this is what we're going to do. And he actually, if you read that story, he goes to a priest and says, what, what should I do? And he's ready to, for whatever God says, that's what we're going to do. Because I've got my faith in him restored. The second story comes from Nehemiah 1, verses 1 to 4. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. A nobody, really. He was not a decision maker. He just brought cups of wine to the king. Having tasted them first and worked out whether they were poisonous, no, I'm still alive, I can give this to the king. He was dispensable. He was disposable. We need someone to die instead of the king every day, every meal. Would you like to, like to have a job? And he says this, These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in late autumn in the month of Kislev. In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, you know, Hanani, hey, Hanani, Han, you're back. One of my brothers came to visit me from some other, with some other men who'd just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned to Judah from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. So some of the people who'd been taken captive by Babylon have now gone back to Judah. How's it going? Th they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down. The gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Sometimes when we hear bad news, we lose all strength. We have to sit down. Something, the... the, the Something that you love has been has been harmed. It's been destroyed. It's it's got it's not protected anymore. It might be a child, it might be a relative who's suddenly been struck with bad news of sickness or something. 
something that you, can, you thought was going well, but now it's turned and it's not going well. What do you, how do you respond? He wept. That's fine. But in the midst of the tears, he prayed. He fasted. He forced himself, like David, to look up. And it can take all our energy to look up, to be in a place of faith, where we are even believing that God is listening to us. And Nehemiah looked up. And then if you read the rest of that story, God says to Nehemiah, I hear your prayer, so I want you to do something about it. And sometimes God will take a bad situation and he'll say, well, this is, this is something that doesn't shock me. It doesn't upset me. No bad situation ever does upset God. I knew this was going to happen. I have a plan already in place. And in this situation, sometimes God says, and you are part of the answer. And he takes Nehemiah's sorrow and he takes his disposable job, disposable income. Just got. And he says, I'm retasking you. I'm refocusing you. I'm, re, I'm, I'm, I'm pressing some buttons because I know you're doing not much of a job at the moment, but I actually have something for you to do in this situation. And God takes bad news and he turns it into a life-changing moment. And that can happen to all of us when we hear something that we didn't want to hear. And God says, it's okay. Let's take that and let's turn it on its head and you do this. And Nehemiah was told what to do. Nehemiah said, well, well I don't know what to do. I'll just, God, you make the king say something about it and then I'll know. And it was a while later, it could have been weeks later. And the king said to Nehemiah, because, you know, the kings in those days were sort of per people who, if you didn't cough correctly, you could go end up in prison or worse. It's not like you go to the king and say, oh, I need your help. You, that's not what you, you did. The king was not concerned with all these little trappings of people, little problems. I've got to run the universe. I am dealing with big issues and you're worried about something tiny. And you couldn't just say, oh, by the way, king, I've served you for a long time I've earned all this credit so can now can you just give me a couple million dollars to help build a wall but Nehemiah found that the king came to him and said I've noticed that there's something wrong with you this is the king is noticing the servant and Nehemiah said that's got to be God it's got to be God and it emboldened him and God will answer our prayers in ways that are far beyond what we expect. It could be somebody who has an opportunity for you, Jonathan, that you haven't thought of. It could be somebody who comes with an answer. and you, It's so obvious to you that it's from God because it's right out of the blue. You hadn't even thought about it. And the king said to Nehemiah, what is your problem? And then he went further and said, I, I want to help you. Bad news flipped on its head. Nehemiah's whole life changed. From then on, he was the Nehemiah, not Nehemiah, the cupbearer who we would never ever heard of if he hadn't had his life turned around by some bad news. The bad news could actually make turn you into a whole different person. And Nehemiah became the rebuilder of the walls of Jerusalem. 
His whole life was turned upside down. And look at this last story, Matthew 14, verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. When he got off the boat, they were there. What was the bad news? The bad news was that John the Baptist, the last of the great Old Testament prophets prior to the cross, had just had his head cut off by an evil king. And John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. But that wasn't the importance of the relationship. The importance of the relationship was that John the Baptist was the only other person who was hearing from God like Jesus was at the time. And now Jesus was all alone. And now the other man of God was dead. And Jesus suddenly realized, well, they're going to come after me next. And he needed to get away. What was Jesus' response to bad news? He immediately wanted to get away and be alone and go to some place where it was just him and God. And I can imagine, well, it says there that the other, the, if you look at the next verse, all the people were there waiting for him when he got off the boat. So the only time he had alone was on the boat. And he wouldn't have been sailing the boat. There was someone at the back doing that. But I can just see Jesus staring, sitting in the boat, staring out into the waves. Because we can get alone with God even if there's someone in the back of the boat. And sometimes we'll hear some bad news just before we go into that meeting. We've got five minutes. We can't run down the stairs and out into a park somewhere. We've got to get alone right now. And we're going to, I hope you all have a space in your head where you can be alone with God. And Jesus was having that conversation with his father. I can just hear him saying, they've done it again. The human race has killed another prophet that you sent. And they're going to come after me next. And just talking with God about that. And God saying to him, yeah, that's why you're here. I've sent you to die for them. I've sent you to, to be a love letter from me to show them how much I love you. And even though you know what's going to happen and you could run away, I want you to hold tight. I want you to recommit, rededicate. Remember who you are. And sometimes bad news comes to us and we need to remember who we are. I am a child of God. God is with me. I am on track in my purpose. I am fulfilling my calling. I am doing what God has asked me to do. And get with God and say, oh, I'm not going to quit. I want you to see what I'm going through. I want you to know what I'm feeling. But I want you to know that I'm also staying in my lane. I'm not going to be knocked out. I'm going to double down in my faith and my confidence Bad news came to Jesus and all it was was a reminder. It's a reminder of who he is. And sometimes bad news comes to us and it just causes, it becomes a reminder to us of who we are. Any other response, kicking the cat, screaming, picking up stones, they are not anywhere near as helpful as turning to God and praying first. 
David, in the midst of his being under attack, prayed to God first. And then he got the answer. And his heart was right, full of faith again. He got the wisdom that he needed. He got the strategy. I hope you're not making any strategic decisions without going to God first and praying first. Nehemiah went to God with his great sorrow. And in the midst of the sorrow, he prayed first. Matthew, uh, Jesus was rattled by the news that another man of God had been killed. But he went to God in the midst of that bad news. So 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, Give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares about you. Proverbs 3 verse 6 says, Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Let's close our eyes. Let's say to ourselves, just quietly in your own mind, say, I am a person of prayer. of prayer, I'm a woman of prayer, I pray first, I pray first, I acknowledge you Lord, I cast my cares to you because you care for me, you know what I'm going through and you have all the answers, perhaps you need your strength restored, then strengthen yourself in the Lord. Perhaps you have got a heart full of sorrow and you need to trust that God's got an answer for that situation. Perhaps you've heard terribly sad news that challenges your very personality and who you are and you need to remind yourself, I am a child of God. God loves me. God has unfailing love for me. Goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. And if you're here today and you don't know this Jesus, you don't know the one who came for the sole purpose of opening a doorway to heaven for you and me, then while our eyes are shut, let's pray with you. If you want to, invite him into your heart today. Let's do this prayer together and pray first. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love. Thank you that you sent Jesus to pay for all my sin. I'm so sorry for my selfish attitudes locking you out of my life. And I open the door of my heart. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me and to come and live in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.